Montenegrosian cut. Between the 27th to the 29th of April, a 5 plus 1 conference on the Cyprus problem will take place in Geneva with the participation of the Greek and Turkish Cypriot side, Turkey, Greece and the United Kingdom as well as the United Nations in an attempt to agree on the common ground for a recommencement of negotiations. So in this episode, we discuss the latest and how the internationals are leading the efforts. But also analyzed how the political system in the country is currently losing justification in the eyes of the people. Hello Andromahi, it's been a month, exactly one month. Yes, we haven't been very effective this month, and uh, but we will make it up to our uh, listeners in this month, I hope. You know, we are a political podcast mainly, and uh, I always believe that politics is not only about policies or ideologies or, or making plans or saying things to your opponents, but it's also what people feel and think, especially nowadays in the new politics. It's all about feelings and how people perceive stuff. And um, I am trying to bring it to the point that last few days we have been seeing the picture, pictures of a barbed wire put by the Republic of Cyprus government along um, from Nicosia to, to Morphe area, uh, mainly in the, in the countryside, some barbed wires. And I know that in the minds and the hearts of the, uh, in the psyche of the Greek Cypriot politics, barbed wire is a very, let's say, uh, provoking um, visual because of the memories of 74 and what happened and the entire narrative. What's going on? How can you explain this? In my opinion is that every action in our lives is a political action. Every, every decision we make is a political decision. Uh, this understanding becomes aggravated when we are talking about politicians, when we are talking about uh, decisions by a government, just like in the case of uh, the Republic of Cyprus government that has decided to establish um, barbed wire on uh, the buffer zone, basically, an 11-kilometer uh, long uh, barbed wire uh, in Nicosia, um, claiming that they are doing it in order to halt the migration flows uh, from the north to the south. And we have seen in various uh, reports of the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, referring to the porous zones uh, across the Green Line, uh, that are zones through which uh, refugees and asylum seekers enter the areas under the effective control of the Republic of Cyprus seeking for asylum. Having said that, of course, as we said, the, the importance of barbed wire for the psyche of Greek Cypriots is heightened. We, we grew up referring to a barbed wire of shame. Uh, for us, the, the image of barbed wire uh, cutting the island in half has been uh, reminiscent of the horrible outcomes of uh, 1974 and the war then. And um, it is mind-boggling, and I honestly did not believe I would live the day <laughs> when the Republic of Cyprus itself would impose barbed wires uh, across its land. Uh, Many people and, have happened. been 
discussing about the the timing of it. The timing in the sense that um, it's just happening right before an international conference and at the time when uh, political party leaders, two Greek Cypriot party leaders, uh, Averov uh, Neofidou and Andros Kiprianou uh, have met to discuss how to promote um, bicommunal, bizonal federation. Is it only also about timing or it's uh, is it a, a mistake? Is it that maybe they're not making their plans well or it's just uh, normal work that they are doing in order to protect uh... i i think there are numerous ways to look at this so on the one hand you've got the republic of cyprus that has applied to join the schengen and there has been talk of 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 greater control uh, of the green line uh, especially because in their attempt to join the schengen they need to prove to the european union that they can control the entry areas uh, to the areas under the effective control of the republic of cyprus on the one hand they are doing this uh, in an attempt to encourage the European Union to consider the application for the Schengen even without the Cyprus problem solution because as we know the lack of a Cyprus problem solution has been hindering the accession of the Republic of Cyprus into the Schengen area. Uh, on the other hand, however, my personal belief is that this is also a political decision in light of the elections in May, because currently the government and the democratic rally, the governing party, is immersed in a series of corruption scandals. We saw an opinion poll a few weeks ago in Kathimerini in which it was made evident that both the government and the VC have been particularly hit by corruption scandals and discussion and rumors of corruption lately. It seems that the falling reputation of, of President Anastasiadis is dragging with it the Democratic Rally VC as well. And uh, I believe that uh, this has been a conscious decision by uh, the government to divert the attention to a very catchy uh, issue that causes a lot of fear, that has been severely manipulated by politicians all across the world. And this is the issue of migration, the issue of refugees and asylum seekers. So I believe that the reasons behind the action of the Republic of Cyprus are these two main ones. At the same time, however, one cannot ignore the timing. As you said, we are ahead of a five uh, plus one conference on the Cyprus problem. The VC leader, Averov Neofitu, is going around claiming that there is a need for a push for a bizonal by communal federation. And then suddenly you have uh, his government acting in the way that it is acting. One can say at the same time, of course, we are going to discuss these issues later, but one can say that when you are the side that is claiming to desire a bizonal bicommunal federation and you are faced with another side, and I'm referring to the Turkish Cypriot leader Ersin Tatar, and you are faced with this side that now claims to want a two-state solution, well, one would think that you would not be acting in a way that enhances the argument of <laughs> of the other side. And uh, I must tell you that uh, when Akel complained about the, the barbed wire, the Minister of Interior of the Republic of Cyprus, Nikos Nouris, he actually compared 
the situation in Cyprus to the situation in Greece on the borders between Greece and Turkey. And he told uh, Akel, well, if you want to know what we are doing, you should look at what is happening in Evros. And he referred to the wall that was being set in Evros on the borders between Turkey and Greece, which is an unprecedented claim. And if you're asking me when you're a country and an authority that is fighting to prove that you have control all across the whole island, uh, such a statement would have immediately led to uh, the resignation of uh, the minister who who did it. That came at a time when um, we are also heavily discussing the crossing points. And even Akel made this statement. You know, at the time when we are discussing about crossing points, about uniting country, about the international conference, we found ourselves discussing crossing points closed and the barbed wires are being set and there is not a very positive mood um, about the expected uh, 5 plus 1 conference. Also, uh, there are widespread protests on both sides of the divide, actually, about corruption, about that the politicians are actually not really serving the interests of the people. For example, the, the famous Ostame protest in the Greek Cypriot community about corruption and about uh, how corruption is liquid division came at a time when when uh, Anastasiades have, has, have been uh, under under spotlight because of the passport crisis uh, passport uh, corruption uh, allegations how to, how can we link it i mean don't they see those protests those people youngsters um anti regime and anti establishment uh, powers are, are are moving on both sides of the divide and in fact trying to bring a, a common language a common voice the, the the things that they say the banners that they carry are quite similar on both sides of the divide and it's it's quite new i would say Yes, I think that this is the first time in modern history uh, of Cyprus in which we see uh, the two sides sort of coordinating when it comes to their protests and when it comes to their uh, demand for a progressive society on the island. And uh, it was a discussion that was raised uh, during the Ozdame protests that had the crossing points not been closed, The, the protesters in the south would have been joined by Turkish Cypriot protesters as well, just like in the case of the protests in the north, they would have been joined by Greek Cypriots as well had the crossing points not been uh, closed. Indeed, there was an unprecedented mobilization of people uh, in the Ozdame protests. The numbers that we had was eight to 9,000 people, which is exceptional numbers for the Greek Cypriot population. And uh, indeed, people went out and they protested against police violence, they protested against corruption, they linked this to the lack of a solution in the Cyprus problem. And it seems that the Greek Cypriot society is maturing up to realizing the um, this corrupt system that has been set up and that has been perpetuating in itself thanks to the existence of the Cyprus problem. Having said that, and when because you asked if the politicians 
do not see these youngsters. I think they see them, but they think that they can ignore them. And why do they think they can ignore them? Because they believe that these people have no way out when it comes to another option, another political option. And if we saw something from the Kathimerini opinion poll a few weeks ago, is that even though the reputation of the government is at an all-time low, and the sea is particularly hit by this, this disillusionment of the people is not reflected in an increase in percentages by the main opposition party, I can. And I believe that this is what allows the government and the sea to feel a bit calm because they feel that these people that are out on the streets protesting, on the one hand, they do not have a valid option for them to turn to when it comes to the elections. And on the other hand, a lot of them are youngsters, young people that are not even registered in the electoral ballots. They are not even registered to vote. There are somewhere around 50,000 or even more people that are not registered to vote in the elections. And I profoundly believe that this is the reason why the government chooses to ignore the claims of these people, and to undermine the importance of, of the rally a few weeks ago. I have been following the new candidates for the upcoming elections in the Greek Cypriot community, and uh, I realized that the uh, Green Party, for example, have started to attract some pro-federal solution candidates recently, some young people. I mean, it's natural and normal that an ecologically Green Party attracts younger minds, but we know the history of the Green Party in Cyprus who have been very conservative when it comes to the Cyprus problem. We see some people who have been pro-solution, pro-federal solution are now taking part in the party. Um, how do you see um, this trend and how do you see the upcoming elections? I think we have discussed in the past amongst us the failure of the Green Party to capitalize on the emergence of a green wave all across uh, European uh, politics. And this failure was reflected in a series of, elect uh, of elections. But this time it seems that things will be different. So there are a lot of disillusioned people, a lot of disillusioned voters that have nowhere to turn to and that are seriously considering engaging with the Green Party. As we said before, the Green Party has had a change in leadership and the more conservative on the Cyprus problem, Georgos Perdigis, has withdrawn only to be replaced by Haralambo Seobemtu, who is a very respected environmentalist on the island. We have discussed in the past about the lack of a political stigma by Theobemtu, and I think that if, if we are to criticize the Greens, this is one area of criticism in the fact that they still shy away from being a bit more bold when it comes to the positions they take um, aside from environmental matters. But indeed, they have now engaged with um, pro-solution, pro-federal solution candidates. Alexandra Talid and Theanoka Lavana, for instance, are two of those. Having said that, though, still the leader of the party, when asked about the position of the party on the Cyprus problem, it said that the positions that tie the party are still the ones that used to exist in the past. And these are anti-federation uh, uh, lines. 
And as he said, the party cannot change its positions until it calls um, a general gathering that can only be done after the COVID restrictions are lifted. The, the Green Party is making tacit steps towards changing with very respected candidates that have been uh, uh, incorporated in its um, ballot. Uh, but we are yet to see whether it will manage to attract the progressive voters that have nowhere to turn to. What about DC and Akel, the leading parties and other as well? I believe Akel should be a case study of an opposition party because of its failure to capitalize on unprecedented collapse in the ratings of the government and of uh, of the reputation of, of, of the current leadership in the Republic of Cyprus. The government has been tremendously hit with corruption scandals and not only corruption scandals, financial scandals. We had the co-op collapse as well that is still burdening the sea. But Akel has failed to capitalize on this uh, collapse. I believe that it is clear that the results of both DC uh, and Akel uh, will be disappointing. They will see a drop in their percentages. But it is highly possible that DC will retain its, its number one position. And uh, in all honesty, I think that this is, that this will be an accomplishment mostly of Akel rather than of DC. Because in the current situation and the, the way the, the leadership, the, the governing party is currently perceived is so uh, negatively, but Akel has failed to attract those disillusioned voters and it has failed to attract progressive voters as well um, because Akel uh, itself is burdened with its own sort of issues. Well, I am actually following the developments and true that there are social movements in the country on both sides of the divide. I also find it interesting that the Greek Cypriot community is uh, mobilizing in that sense in, in such an extent that there is even a new uh, political party by the Famagustians. Uh, there is this Ostame uh, movement. There are all those uh, reactions in social media against the government. Even the people who have not traditionally been pro-political, let's say, um, they are nowadays involved in the discussion. On the uh, other uh, side of the, the divide, we have the, the Turkish Cypriot youngsters still being very active. Together with their Greek Cypriot counterparts, they uh, recently established a youth movement called uh, HADE. They are trying to mobilize uh, their own generation for unification of the country, for uh, the values that we all embrace, the progressive values, I should say. But I see that the Turkish Cypriot youngsters have lost interest in the Turkish Cypriot politics. But also, um, not only the youngsters, what happened in the elections and what happened after uh, Akinju losing power and then Ersin Tatar being elected, have shown us that, um, that Turkey is actually not playing the game from, from a distance, but this time they are, they are taking part directly in, in the Turkish Cypriot politics. For example, recently Ersan Saner went to Ankara and signed a new economic protocol. And even the coalition party membership or the coalition party leaders were not aware of, of, of it. So there is this tendency of going to Ankara, getting vaccinations, going to Ankara, getting economic aid, going to Ankara, getting something. So 
you know, I mean, and people are asking, why are we now voting? I mean, in the past, Turkey has not been very active that much. So this is the, the latest also in, in the Turkish Cypriot politics. We are nowadays discussing the corruption in the um, electricity uh, company in the north. But, you know, how I see it is very simple. This is just uh, just a little bit of a, of a bigger uh, corruption. I mean, if you don't have a proper country and proper checks and balances, these things will continue to happen. I think it is interesting that you raised the issue of, of this disillusionment of the youth because if uh, the youth chooses uh, not to engage itself in the political process, then this allows, you know, all the old minds and the, those that have been taking advantage of the current situation to live on and to perpetuate, uh, to perpetuate their dominance in the political spectrum. And I think that both sides uh, and both communities at the moment are at that critical stage in which we are yet to see whether this, en- this political engagement by the youth will be transformed into political participation as well and maybe uh, even a new political movement that appears to be needed, a new movement that will not be burdened with all this corruption and all these uh, uh, scandals of the past in both sides of the divide. You know, we can talk about internal politics and local politics forever, but I think the uh, most important thing is, is, is nowadays, again, one more time, is the developments when it comes to the Cyprus problem. And of course, our listeners love us for that, although the fact that uh, we are fed up with it doesn't change the, the fact that uh, many of our listeners listen to us because of it. And uh, we are now again talking about the international involvement, 5 plus one conference, the possibility of bring all sides together. Borel was in Cyprus. Boris Johnson had a telephone conversation with Tayyip Erdogan and the leaders on both sides of the divide, they've been making, giving statements. The question is, will the international community find a way to engage the parties in to a meaningful dialogue that might come something positive out of it. I think we are yet to see about this. There is a lot of talk, a lot of international involvement at a time when it seems that the sides are expressing totally opposing views. Having said that, though, I think we, we've we've lived through times in the past in which, again, the sides used to express diverging views and uh, when the time came um, at an international conference um, these positions changed so I think we are yet to see uh, how these uh, uh, interventions will play out and whether the greater game that is now taking place when it comes to Turkey and the European Union will have any any result. As you said, Tayyip uh, Erdogan spoke on the phone with uh, Boris Johnson. I, I think uh, the head of the European Commission will visit uh, Turkey very soon. The same for the head of the European Parliament. So it is clear that, as we said many times in the past, the discussions at, uh, at this point are beyond the issue of the Cyprus problem. They touch on it. However, the Cyprus problem is, is just a little 
a small part of the greater picture that has to do with the role of the of Turkey in the region, with the stability in the Eastern Mediterranean, and at the same time with the, the relationship between Turkey and the European Union. The question, of course, is one, will America be involved? Two, will the parties really think that solving Cyprus' problem or bringing sides together on a track will be a priority for them? And at the same time, another question is, will the sides be willing to engage <laughs> constructively? Uh, I was That's so sad, the, but I think, Andromahi, we found ourselves in a situation where the sides are, again, not willing to take the, 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 the bad. Okay, on this time, it's the Turkish-Cypriot side who've been insisting on the two-state solution, and Turkey is supposedly backing up this position. Or, if you are critical, you might say that it's actually Turkey supporting this position. And the Turkish Cypriot side is just uh, mimicking what the Turkey has been saying. So it depends how you look at it. But it doesn't change the fact that in Crown Montana, we were so close to a deal and it, it failed. And uh, the sides were not willing to, to, to do anything uh, for a long time after that. And then we've been hearing stories. We had been hearing stories from the Greek Cypriot side about decentralized uh, federation, this and that. And now we are back to the federal solution again. Now, why should the internationals take us seriously? Uh, indeed, and I was just reading um, the, an article by Joseph Borrell, uh, the EU uh, high representative, uh, following his visit to Cyprus. He wrote an article in his blog in which, in a sense, he said, Yes, we are willing to engage, but at the same time, it is up to the Cypriots to drive the process. It is not up to the international uh, players. And uh, as you said, uh, the Republic of Cyprus itself has uh, gone back and forth when it comes to its position on the Cyprus problem lately. Uh, we are only lately starting to hear the matter, uh, the Bizonal by Communal Federation again. Uh, we are also uh, currently seeing uh, the the head of the Democratic Rally, the governing party, Averov Neofidou, explicitly referring to the importance of political equality. Uh, one, of course, I would argue that it is a bit uh, too little too late because political equality has been agreed since the 90s and it had been established and defined since the 90s in uh, the United Nations resolutions that supposedly the sides embrace. However, the current government and the current leader, uh, Nikos Anastasiadis, uh, worked a lot on undermining political equality itself. He worked a lot on demonizing it uh, with the assistance of uh, DC. And, uh, you know, seeing Averov Neofidu now suddenly remembering uh, political equality and its importance and presenting it as though it is a concession that will be given to the Turkish Cypriots while this has been agreed uh, since the 90s. Uh, and in any case, I mean, the 1960s constitution was one of political equality. So let's, let's not even go back there. Uh, you know, all these make us at least a bit suspicious or, or at least a bit concerned about the, the true intentions of the Greek Cypriot side or whether they are indeed willing to drive the situation forward. 
I must tell you, I remember uh, having a discussion with a person that was very actively involved in the previous process, in the Gran Montana process. And we were discussing uh, about these new uh, possibilities that emerged, and we were discussing about this new attempt. This person told me in, in bitterness, if they couldn't do it then, how can we hope that they are going to do it now? So this question lingers in my mind, and I think that this is the question that decides both sides uh, will be called to answer. A reasonable analyst would probably tell you that there is no motivation or no real reason for us to believe that the local leaders in the island of Cyprus will be dedicated to solve the Cyprus problem. That being said, however, uh, we have also witnessed last days and week how um, Egypt was being discussed whether they will, uh, whether Egypt will actually be joining the Turkish camp or will stay in the Greek camp. To basically put it very simply, and um, even the Greek. Prime Minister was in, in Egypt to discuss the positions and the demarcation in the uh, exclusive economic zone and, you know, all these discussions. So, again, um, if anybody believes that it will be possible to bring stability into the area without solving the Cyprus problem in the short run, I think that person would be mistaken. We shouldn't be putting all of our money on this. I mean, international community will somehow find a way to balance the interests at the expense of Cypriots very, very easily. And uh, eventually we might find ourselves in a situation that there is no crisis, just a constant tasteless uh, disagreement and that's it. And then everybody will be happy and then, you know, Cypriots will continue to live in a divided country and uh, and Turkish Cypriots will stay without a proper status. How do you see the uh, situation in the waters of Ismet? Well, I think there is a relative calmness at the moment and this has to do with what we said before about the greater discussions uh, regarding the, the relationship between Turkey and uh, uh, the European Union. At the same time, as you said, we saw Egypt announcing the um, the bids for explorations in three of its uh, of its blocks in its exclusive economic zone, and uh, in its announcement, it appears to be respecting the Turkish claim when it comes to uh, the eastern part of its exclusive economic zone. Uh, so uh, I think that, as you said, things are not black and white. I think we are yet to see uh, various episodes in this Eastman saga. And I also believe that Turkey has still not spoken its last words. Turkey's actions in the Eastern Mediterranean will greatly depend on how the European um, Council will go in, uh, in towards the end of March and on how these deliberations between Turkey and the European Union will uh, develop. Uh, having said that, because you referred to the United States before, I think we are yet waiting to see what uh, the input of uh, the United States will be in this whole process. 
it appears that the Biden administration has yet to prioritize the Eastern Mediterranean uh, in its foreign policy. We haven't seen any direct or explicit action when it comes to their involvement in the Eastern Mediterranean. So we are still waiting for their stigma. And I also believe that that will also determine a lot. I think we'll be uh, having more opportunities to discuss what's going on with 5 plus 1 in the coming program and programs. Maybe it's time to finalize with the latest on on COVID, the expectations for the tourism season. I must tell you that in the north, uh, we are getting uh, vaccines, uh, Sinovac, Chinese uh, vaccines from Turkey, and also some from from the EU, as they write it in the Turkish Cypriot press, and there are discussions whether it's uh, enough or not. But we still don't see any sort of a cooperation uh, when it comes to vaccination and and, uh, handling the crossings. And in fact, uh, United Cyprus now made a 10-point statement a few weeks ago, a very tangible, uh, very concrete proposals on how to handle um, the, the case and ask the sides to start uh, working at the technical committee level and then start addressing the issue of virus and the crossings. Having said that, we know that the numbers are fluctuating as well. But uh, expectations were to, uh, I think, start the tourism season by allowing people who have been vaccinated into the island. And we don't still, we still don't know how this will be working out. What's the latest on that? We are kind of uh, in a situation in which the government is currently taking political decisions that influence the course of the pandemic. So the Republic of Cyprus has agreed with both uh, Israel and UK to allow uh, their vaccinated citizens to enter uh, the Republic of Cyprus without a PCR test. I think that for Israel, this will start from April and that for uh, the UK, this will start from May. Uh, this has caused concern, I must say, in the Greek Cypriot population because if you have not vaccinated your own population, how are you going to start allowing people to be entering the country without a test at the time when the data is still not clear as to whether an inoculated person can transmit the virus or not. Uh, having said that, uh, we we have seen an increase in, in cases uh, in the south and the increase has come at the point when we are discussing the relaxation of measures. The, uh, the restaurants and the cafes will open from the 16th of March and this is a decision that has been taken regardless of uh, uh, the increase in the cases. And uh, we are yet to see how, I mean, the numbers will uh, fluctuate in, uh, in the south. Uh, but regarding what you said about the crossings and about the sites, I think that uh, one year ago when the crossing points were closed, all the people protesting against the closure were making the point that when you start closing crossing points, and especially when you do it in a way that is unilateral, it is then even more difficult to amend 
and remedy your decision. And I think that this is what we are seeing today. We are seeing the absolute difficulty between the sides to coordinate. We are seeing a total reluctance between the sides to collaborate on basically putting the puzzle back together and on allowing crossing points, uh, regardless of the fact that the United Nations Secretary General has made it clear that uh, he expects the situation in the crossings to go back to the situation before February 2020. And I must say that all of us that, you know, we used to live our lives all across the island, we are becoming increasingly concerned about this reluctance of collaboration. There are ideas out there. Organizations in the civil society have put uh, ideas forth calling for the sites to collaborate when it comes to even setting up rapid test stations, coordinating when it comes to opening the crossing points. And we, we also need to see a collaboration when it comes to the inoculation. You have the existing technical committees already set up. One is called by Communal Health Committee and the other one is a committee for crossings. You have the ability to work together to at least inform people, to set up targets. Yet again, you fail to do those and you talk about solving the Cyprus problem, which has been on the agenda for I don't know how many gazillion number of years. And this is a sign of insincerity. It's a sign that you do not care about the lives of the Cypriots. I understand. We all appreciate the fact that you need to take measures against the virus and you need to protect your own population. But there is absolutely no political or financial or any kind of obstacle for you to cooperate and try at least to address some of the concerns that will be good for all of your people. And this is really a sign about the intentions of the sides and their ability to cooperate in bigger matters. And that's really a very negative sign. And I think it also justifies the people on the streets that those administrations do not care about the issues that is important by their own people. There is a mismatch. There is a legitimacy gap. And how those people will be able to solve the Cyprus problem, even if they agree when they have a legitimacy um, issue, crisis. And that's exactly, but uh, we, we should also point out that at a time when all the various groups are putting forward their suggestions for relaxation of measures. I mean, we saw what happens with Israel. We saw what happens with the UK. The restaurants are now opening and it seems that all of, all of the sectors are now slowly coming back to normal. The discussion on the crossing points is absent. Nobody discusses it. Nobody raises it. It is not part of the political agenda. As you said, yes, Akel made some statements on the issue, but I believe that it made them a bit late, still though uh, better late than never. But honestly, how do you expect to piece the country back together when you are unable to take joint and coordinated actions in order to allow uh, the freedom of movement of your citizens within your island, but you rush to allow for the freedom of foreigners to enter the country? 
as you said, I think actions speak louder than words, and that's that's about it. This program lasted longer than usual, but it's understandable because we have not been able to do our program, so things piled up. But hopefully we'll do more often in the coming weeks. I think on this note, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.